Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, to the close of the age. Then when he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold... I send the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. That was from Matthew 28, Luke 24, Acts 1, and Mark 16. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Kathy, and thank you, Boone. Early, early Methodism, they utilize that scripture quite frequently to remind themselves of the importance of sharing the word that we're all commissioned. And the greatest of all commission is to share that word, that powerful response. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for the great privilege to minister by way of television and we we thank you, Father, for Matthew chapter 25 and as you bless and deal with us in Scripture. We pray for those members of our church, Lord, who are sick and those who are shut-ins. We pray for those by way of television. We pray especially this morning for Pam, Marie Waite's daughter, as she's recuperating. We pray for Rabbi and Claudia, and we pray for, for Chris's brother, Scott. We pray for Ray and Betty and others in our congregation, Lord. We thank you that it is a privilege that whenever two or three are gathered in your name, as the scriptures remind us, that we can remember our loved ones in prayer. We give this service over to you, Lord, because we want to seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. We, we want the joy of the Lord to be in our lives. We want to be a part of the the diligence of your kingdom. We want to be opportunists when it comes to seeking opportunities of service to your kingdom. Now we ask your blessings on our scripture, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30, and, and as our listeners by way of television or by way of radio or YouTube, they can grab their Bibles and follow along. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. And these things we pray in your name as you taught us to pray 
saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you're viewing us by television, um, as I mentioned, it's in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And I'm going to be sharing that scripture, and immediately following, um, Mike's going to be sharing uh, his um, lay moments with laity on that passage of scripture. So if you're um, viewing by way of television, you know, or radio, or listening, you want to turn with us to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 and following. The parable of the talents. It's also shared in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 following. For it is as if a man going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away, and the one who had received the, the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful, trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Can you say that with me? The joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. Say, I've made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Say it with me, the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent, the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and I gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have more will be given more, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, 
even what they have will be taken away. As for the worthless slave, throw him into the outer, outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God bless the reading and hearing of the word this time, Mike, please. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Today, our scripture started out with a wealthy man that was leaving on a journey. He summoned his servants and placed them in charge of taking care of his property while he was absent. This reminds me of the second coming. Jesus left, and he's coming back. In case it was needed, he gave them talents. A talent is an enormous treasure. These talents represent a Christian's unearned treasure of grace and blessing from our master, Jesus Christ. He gave the first servant five talents. The second servant got two, and the third servant got one talent. The servants that received multiple talents valued that treasure and the responsibility given to them. They wisely invested it so the gracefully given talents would grow. The servant that only received one talent, he felt cheated and ripped off. He didn't value it as much as the other servants valued the, big, the, the multiple talents. So what did he do? He buried it in the ground where neither he nor anybody else would ever find any use of those talents the master had so generously gave him. And because of his mishandling of that talent, it simply wouldn't multiply. With the, when the master returned, he asked the servants to retrieve what they had been given and put in charge of. The first two servants approached him, smiling. They both boasted, hey, here's what you gave us, but plus, Here's double interest. We've doubled it. The master told them, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, so now I will set you over for very much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, what happened to the third servant? Accordingly, well, we, we will do with the salvation of the Lord Jesus gives us we should invest it not only keep it to ourselves like the third servant but share it and multiply it with others by doing this our salvation blessing multiplies has nothing to do with our own benefit but it benefits the Lord and his kingdom when we share not us the third servant that buried his treasure, he would never see a benefit from it. It would never collect interest. It would never multiply. It would be useless. When the master asked him about the treasure he had given him, he basically insulted him. He said, oh, Lord, I know you are a hard man. And you, you sow where you don't plant. Lastly, he admitted fear to his master that he was even given a responsibility of handling the treasure. God forbid any of us act this way with the treasure the Lord has blessed us with. We should never fear. Fear is always a handling disability. You'll not do things that you probably should be doing 
because of fear. You'll withdraw. You'll back away from what you should be doing because you fear. Jesus told us all, fear not. Once again, because of his timidity and fear of handling this treasure, he buried what the Lord has so gracefully trusted him with. He dodged his responsibility and shrunk from it and proved unprofitable of what his Lord had freely given him. The master told a third servant who was evil and lazy. This reminds me that the, the actions of that third servant is like people that hear the message and grace of the Lord and what he has done with them. And they clam up. They don't share it. They don't multiply it. They just keep it themselves because they have a fear and embarrassment of sharing it. The result of that third servant's hiding the treasure, his Lord's treasure, was being cast into the outer darkness. This caused the master to shun that third servant, call him names, and cast him away from his presence into the outer darkness. The treasure we have from the Lord is priceless. He's above a talent. He, he has promised us and assured us and given us forgiveness of our sins and eternity, an eternity with him and his Father in heaven. We should notice that it's not important these servants have been made responsible to such a valuable treasure for the master. What really matters, what really matters is not that they had been given the talents, but what they did with them. This is not unlike at all. We should take the grace and the forgiveness and the treasure of heaven that the Lord has given us and share it. Multiply it. Make it gain interest. Because if we don't, we'll be like that third servant and be cast out into the outer darkness. Thank you, Mike. Would you all stand with me for a word of prayer? It, it struck me here a, a few weeks ago, um, you know, when I first met Mike, you know, that he wore his hair just perfectly. And I said, you must be military, remember? cashier at the Target, he gave me his testimony, and, and I always kind of wanted to honor you because you, you take such good care of your hair, and if at any time you get cold or you cut it a little bit too short, uh, inside are Vikings colors, but on the outside is, is kind of the, the Navy's colors, so you can, let's give Mike a round of applause for his faithfulness of coming in preparation. Navy first, right? Let's pray. Father God, as we examine this scripture, we remember that you remind us that we need to walk in the light. I thought about the Scrooge of Christmas, that the Scrooge with much could so easily walk away. And from boundless opportunities that he had to touch the many, the poor, who with little or none subsisted as his neighbors. 
But unseen or unconcerned, Scrooge kept it from the door, kept them from the door, his door. And this, this endless procession of apathy and self-centered pride would have existed for eternity if not for the visitors three arriving uninvited and most unwelcome, yet they came, causing Scrooge to look upon himself as pathetic as he was. And we ourselves have been chosen, each and every one of us have been chosen with many talents and many gifts. We've been hand-picked in holy love and hold unending opportunities to be those spirits three, not shaming, not aiming to lay bare the blame, but inviting a look at the past and, and tomorrow's story. Dickens' imagination and storytelling helped to reveal the need of humanity to resource our talents, to have mirrors held to our face, to view not only what is, but indeed what just might be as hearts that are open wide, abandoning self, doing grace, I thought about the Christ of Christmas. As we prepare to decorate our church this coming Saturday and for Advent and preparation for Thanksgiving, we think of the gentle in heart, the sharing love through and through, and re recall how easily we, we each have been embraced by generosity and compassion by the light of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, last Sunday, I called to your remembrance that we dealt with um, the ten virgins and how God used the scripture to bring consolation to our hearts, how heaviness may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. The day of Christ's return shall surely make amends for all. Let us, as we left that parable and we entered into the following few verses, may we be very determined never to be content with anything short of the indwelling grace in our hearts. The lamp and the name of Christian. One, the profession and the ordinances of Christianity are all well in their way, but they are not the one thing that's needful. Let us never rest till we know that we have the oil of the spirit in our hearts. As we move into this parable of the talents, which we have now read, is a near akin to the ten virgins. Both direct our minds, our hearts, our beings to the same very important event, the second advent of Jesus Christ. We're moving into the observance of Advent, and we are always reminded of the second, second advent, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Both the virgins and the talents bring before us the same persons, the members of the professing, 
the professing Church of Christ. The virgins and the servants are our scripture deals with. Most other translations yield it servants, whether you want to use the word slaves or servants. The virgins and the servants or slaves are one and the same people, but the same people regarded from a different point, but the same people regarded, viewed on different sides. The practical lesson of each parable is that main point of difference. Last week we dealt with watchfulness, vigilance, and was the keynote of the first parable. Vigilance. In this upcoming parable, we find that it moves from vigilance to diligence. Now there's similarity, but there's wide room for divergence here. Being vigilant as a virgin or being diligent in the utilization of our talents. It looks at the work, the administration of who we are. The the story, the parable of the, the ten virgins calls on the church to, to watch, to watch. For we know not when or the hour when our Lord comes. The story of the talents calls the church to work, calls us to a sense of stewardship, the utilization of our time, our talents, our treasure. We learn in the first place from this parable of the talents that all professing Christians, say it with me, professing Christians, have received something, many things from God. We are all God's servants. We are all God's slaves. We have all talents entrusted to our charge. The word talents is an expression that has been curiously turned aside from its original meaning. We studied on Wednesday night that talent could be money. It could be money. But when God talks about the parable of the talents, it's generally applied to none but people of remarkable ability or gifts but it's expanded in this parable. Our culture limits this by using the word talent as they are called talented people. Talented people. Such a use of the expression is, is, is just a mere modern invention. In the sense in which our Lord used the word in this parable, it, it applies to all baptized persons without distinction. We um, have all talents. We all have talents in God's sight. We, we all are talented people. Say it with me. I'm a talented person. I'm a talented person. Anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. 
when you glorify God, you're utilizing your talents, our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our, our memory, our, our affections, our privileges. And we are privileges, privileged people as members of Christ's church. And the list goes on. All of these advantages as, as possessors of the Bible. All, all our talents. Whence came these things? Why are we not like worms? Worms that crawl on the earth? What hand has bestowed upon us these great talents? There's only one answer to these questions. All that we have, all that we have, you and I have as stewards of God, it, it's a loan. It's a loan from God. God has loaned us these abilities. We are God's stewards. We are God's stewards. We are God's debtors. And let this thought sink deeply into your psyche, deep into your hearts. We, we learn in the second place that many make a bad use, a bad use of their privileges and mercies they receive from God. I think of Clarice, who, when I talked, first talked with her parents and got to know her parents, and they, they said, we are so grateful that all those lessons and all that money is being utilized. Thank God that all those lessons and, and all those voice lessons, Gary Gross and Kathy Gross and all those legal lessons that Tina. And think of the ultimate lessons that you and I have learned in life that are talents. All we have is, is just this loan from God. We are God's stewards. Talked with a woman this morning who married to a gentleman for some 41 years and going to be doing her husband's funeral and she was telling me about all of his talents and all of his ventures and all of his gifts and and when he laid in that hospital bed and when he was deteriorating and when he died how that temple had been utilized by God by so many talents we are God's debtors folks we let it sink deep into our hearts some have not made use of these privileges and these, these mercies they've received from God. We are told in the parable of one who digged into the earth and hid his Lord's money. That person represents a large class of humankind. I've had many, many funerals where the family has said, so-and-so, mom or dad, they didn't believe in banks, so they just buried their money in the, their backyard. Some have said, oh, they hid it under the mattress. To hide our talent is to neglect the opportunities of glorifying God. When we have those talents, when we have those gifts, that the Bible despiser, 
the prayer neglecter and the Sabbath breaker, the unbelieving, the sensual, the earthly bounded, the cribbler, the thoughtless, and the pleasure seeker, the money lover, the covetous one, and the pleasure seeker, the covetousness, the self-indulgent, all are like burying their Lord's money in the ground. They all have the light, they all have the oil, but they do not use it. They might all be better than they are, but they are all daily robbing God. God has lent them much and they make no returns on what God has invested in them. Well, we must remember the illustration of Daniel and Belshazzar in the Old Testament. Daniel spoke and interpreted a dream to Belshazzar. And this can be strictly given to the unconverted person. In Daniel chapter 5, verse 23, God's word says that God, in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are thy ways, God has invested his breath in you, God has invested his ways in you, and what have you done? You have not glorified God. We learn in the third place here that all professing Christians might one day and will have a reckoning with God, a reckoning with God. The, the parable tells us that, that after a long time, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came, those slaves came, those stewards, and, and they had a reckoning, a reckoning with him. Now, oftentimes our, our, our brain turns off when it comes to that word reckoning. But what really should happen is that when we hear the, hear the word reckoning, we should think back on, I think back in high school when over the loudspeaker came the words, will Randy Tabor please come to the superintendent's office? And in my mind, I thought, what in the world did Randy Tabor do? Or I thought I had done something wrong. Little did I realize until I get to the superintendent's office that I'd received a commission to one of the academies. But why is it that when we hear some person of authority say something, I want to talk to you a bit in my office. Or what day next week can I talk to you about something? There is a judgment before us all. There is a reckoning before us all. Words have no meaning. Words have no meaning in the Bible if there is no reckoning, no final reckoning. It's mere trifling with scripture to deny it. There is a judgment before us according to our works, certain, strict, 
an unavoidable. High or low, rich or poor, learned or unlearned, we shall all have to stand at the bar of God, at the bar of God, and a reckoning will occur and to receive our eternal sentence. There will be no escape. Concealment. Concealment will be impossible. We and God must at last meet face to face. We shall have to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render unto God the things that are of God, as Jesus said. Render an accounting of our privileges that were granted to us and any ray of light that we have enjoyed. We shall find that we are all dealt with, with an accountability and a responsibility as creatures and that to whomsoever much is given of much will be required. Let us remember every day we live. Let us judge ourselves that we be not condemned of the Lord. We learn in the fourth place that true Christians will receive an abundant reward in that great day of reckoning. The parable tells us that the servants, the slaves, the stewards who had used the Lord's talents or money well were commended as good and faithful and told to enter into the joy of the Lord. These words are full of, of comfort to all believers and may well fill us with um, a sense of wonder, a sense of surprise. The best of Christians, we as poor, frail creatures, and we need the blood of the atonement every day of our lives. We need God's grace. But the least and the lowest of believers will find that they are counted among Christ's servants and that his labor has not been in vain in the Lord. We will discover that to our amazement that, that our master's eye saw our, a sense of beauty in our efforts to please God than we probably ever saw in ourselves. God will find that every hour spent in, in Christ's service and every word spoken on Christ's behalf has been written in that book of remembrance, the Lamb's book of life that we've been studying on Wednesday evenings. Let believers remember that these things, these things take courage. The cross may be heavy now, but that glorious reward of the cross that we carry shall make amends for all. Here we send some, some drops of joy enter into our being, but there we shall see joy poured into our spirit. We will truly understand what the joy of the Lord is all about. And we learn in the last place in this parable that, that all unfruitful 
members of Christ's church will be condemned and, and cast away in that, that day of judgment. The parable here tells, tells you and I that the servant who buried the master's money was condemned. Condemned as wicked, slothful, and unprofitable and cast into outer, outer darkness. And our Lord adds this solemn words, there shall be weeping, there shall be gnashing of teeth. There will be no excuse for an unconverted Christian at that last day. The reasons with which we now pretend to satisfy ourselves will prove useless and, and vain. The judge of all the earth will be, will be found to have done right, the judgment truly fair and clear. And that ought to ring loudly in many of our ears, thou knewest that word, thou knewest, and should prick us a heart. Thousands are living at this day without Christ and without conversion, and yet pretending that they cannot help it. And all this time they know in their own conscience that they are guilty, they are burying their talents, they are not doing what they can, they are happy that they will find this out before times, it will come all out at the last day. Let us leave this parable with this solemn, solemn determination. Knowing the difference between vigilance and determination and diligence by God's grace and never to be content with a profession of Christianity without a practice, with a practice and a visual illustration of the use of our talents. Let us not only talk about religion, but let us act upon it. Let us not only feel the importance of religion, but do something too. We are not told that the unprofitable slave or servant was a murderer or a thief or even a waster of the Lord's money but he did nothing he did nothing and this was his ruin let us beware of a do nothing Christianity a do nothing stewardship a do-nothing of our time, our talents, and our treasures. Such Christianity does not come from the Spirit of God. It's said of John Wesley, our father of Methodism, he said, do no harm. Always had a little bit difficulty with that. I think the majority of us, we don't want to do any harm, but to do no harm, I've always sensed, is, is, is the praise of a stone, not of a human being. Father, this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television and radio this morning, we thank you for the privilege of the airways that you have granted unto us a real ability to grace we would pray that this would be perpetuated, that the utilization of the gifts and the talents and the tremendous efforts 
of television and radio would be used to, to spread the word of God. That, that all of our gifts, all of our influence, all of our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, all of the privileges that we have as Christians and members of Christ's church would be utilized to the advantageous propagation of the Great Commission. Because all of these are talents. And whence came these things? What hand has bestowed them? Why are we what, what we are? And why are we not just the worms that crawl on the earth? There's only one answer to these questions. All that we have is, is a loan, is a loan from God. We're God's stewards. We're God's debtors. Lord, sink this into our minds, bodies, souls, and spirit. With every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians in prayer, would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, search my heart and help me, O oh Lord, to be a better steward of my gifts, my influence, my money, my knowledge, my health, my strength, my t time, my senses, my reason, my intellect, my memory, my affections, and the privileges of a Lord that I have. In Jesus' name, amen. The joy of the Lord. Let us turn to our offertory prayer in our bulletins, and if you please join me as we read this prayer together. Generous God, your good gifts to us are too many to name. We have been so blessed, not so that we might hide away these blessings, but to use them so that the blessings might be multiplied. As we give from our blessing stockpile, help it to multiply and grow. May our gifts empower multiple acts of mercy and compassion. And may your love pour over this world like a flood. If we have buried these precious, gracious blessings, may today be the day we dig them up and put them to work so that we might be seen as your faithful servants. Amen. Would you stand now with me for the doxology, please? Praise God, come Generous God, your good gifts to us are too many to name. We have been so blessed that we are called to be a blessing to others. Every ever vigilant God, you watch over us every night as we sleep and every day as we rest to do our work and as we gather 
at our tables to feast on the food you provide. Your care for us is never ceasing. We long to be as vigilant and diligent as we strive to be thy kingdom servants. Ready, church, for the desires of your heart, we pray. May we give so generously that when it is time to close our eyes and sleep, we will rest knowing that we have been faithful and vigilant and diligent in our caring and our compassion and our giving. In Christ we pray, amen. Are there any announcements that we need to bring before the church? Next Saturday, next Saturday, you're reminded of the um, church decorating. You know, Vern was in charge of that, and I think he delegated it to his wonderful children and son-in-laws, but they, we all, hopefully we can gather at 10.30 next Saturday, and then our Bible studies on Wednesday evenings, if you want to um, zoom in, Google Duo with us, um, we're going to be, um, we're ending our study with um, the book of Revelation shortly, and we're going to be dealing with the peace and promise of Christmas in December, and, and then the first part of the new year beyond Jabez, expanding our borders in January. Any other announcements or clarifications? If not, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious and merciful unto you. Go now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.